0: Redलोनी's Hardware and Garden Store's brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 754, December 15th, 2021. We were as warm as 51 degrees on this day in in uh, 2014 and 21 below in 1901. And now from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media. John Hyde in the newsroom. And occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king. Fireworks commissioner and keeper of common sense. Your mayor, Joe Souchere. Joe, I was listening to the podcast today, meaning yesterday, and lo and behold, while you were talking about the large boat on Lake Minnetonka, someone on my neighborhood feed posed the same question, what's going on? A neighbor, I do not live on Minnetonka, just live in Minnetonka, posted a likely explanation. The boat in question is the Sea note The new owner needed to have another way of removing the boat since the previous marina that removed and stored the boat was not interested in dealing with Sea note any longer due to its length, weight, and width. Totally understood. The new owner was put in the position of designing the trailer for the boat, finding the steel fabricator getting all the material needed to complete the trailer. With delays in various items, the trailer was not completed until a few days after the lake was frozen over. Hmm. Today, he was brave enough to drive the sea note about two miles from Smithtown Bay to the Spring Park launch ramp, where the boat is still in Lake Minnetonka in the process of coming out of the water. I really enjoy listening to the podcast sign, Michelle. Thank you.
1: It was fun. It lasted uh, for hours and hours, and yeah. they ended up uh, leaving it sit there. And they backed the uh, big rig trailer into the water and left it sit overnight. And uh, I'm thinking it might be gone by now.
0: Oh, I, I wait! So there's a part two. Well, not not till we're informed about it. Okay, right. And we have been told. We have been told all day uh, by weather forecasters and people on the Weather Channel and and other uh, outlets. You know what I'm really tired of. I'm being. T- I'm really tired of thirty-year-olds telling me they've never seen any weather like this before. Yeah. Well, you're thirty. Why don't you put your nose in a book, John? This
1: this uh, this came up right away, instantly on the Krabby Show today. I Did mean, it really? It, it was the first thing out of my out of the gate. Uh, I said something along the lines, well, exactly what you just said. If you're under 30, shut up.
0: M- Minnesota is uh, forecasted, uh, for our listeners in warm weather cities, uh, Minnesota is forecasted today to have what's being called unprecedented weather. That's at least an unprecedented weather forecast. And, they're, uh, it, they're, and, and we're told uh, nationally, regionally, and locally that the, the newest twist on the uh, Kentucky tornadoes from last weekend is that these can't happen in December. This is an example of climate change. No, it isn't. You know how long it took me to find this? The uh, 1953 Vicksburg, Mississippi tornado was a deadly F5 that struck Vicksburg, Mississippi on Saturday, December 5th, 1953. A total of 38 people were killed, 270 injured, and damages were estimated at $25 million in 1953. It remains the fifth deadliest tornado to affect the state of Mississippi behind the 1840 Great Natchez Tornado, the 1936 tornado in Tupelo, the 1971 tornado in Cary, and the 1966 tornado in Jackson. It is one of just four F5 tornadoes. Tornadoes recorded in Mississippi since 1950. Now, do you want to know why they got a December F5? On December 5, 1953, as a warm front retreated northward across Mississippi, temperatures in the warm sector rose steadily. By sunrise, temperatures were already in the low 50s, uh, despite overcast conditions. Just before noon, southeasterly winds were measured at 17 miles an hour in Vicksburg. Some hours later, the local dew point rose to nearly 70 degrees, along with a temperature of 72 degrees. Meanwhile, favorable wind shear arrived to promote the growth of severe thunderstorms, along with the conditions necessary for tornado genesis. At 1.30 p.m., the Severe Local Storms Unit of the U.S. Weather Bureau in Washington, D.C., received... I'm sorry, released a severe weather bulletin indicating the likelihood of tornadoes producing storms over portions of East Texas, Southern Arkansas, Northern Louisiana, and Western Mississippi. Okay, it's happened before. Why Why do so many people in this country, why are so many people in the United States so willing to embrace being frightened? That's the next big thing I got to look at. I don't get that. Why are we? I'm not personally frightened of today's weather. I love nature. I love nature's events. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But to could me, this is just merely an interesting interesting twist thrown at us by nature. If, in fact, we get some significant storm out of this, that remains to be seen. Could it also extend to other forms? What do you mean? Well, uh, public health. Well, yeah, we're we're
1: of course, we're, yeah, no, we've you're baiting us, Chris, because you know the answer to that. We've been talking about it for years. Right. Nobody wants to take any risks anymore. Right?
0: I I have to read, uh, give credit to uh, uh, Scott from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Joe, I came up with a new phrase for you to use: believe in historical data, not hysterical data. Thank you. I like there that. you go. Well, I just gave you some historical data. Yes, tornadoes in December are rare, but they have happened throughout history I don't know why we're hectored why are so many people willing to to take today's local weather forecast and say see that's climate change no it isn't no it isn't it's nature but we're going to stop warm air from rising mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we can stop we'll get a big lid just give me some more money and yeah. we'll stop warm air from rising
1: you want me to give you my down story about deer hunting and rising weather and rising uh, air?
0: I'm sure hunters have many stories.
1: Um, I received this from uh, meteorologist uh, Jonathan Uhaus from KSTP-TV at 3.57 a.m. The first thing he – and you received this also, John, and probably you too, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, right away, first, uh, first thing he says, headline, historic storm coming through area tonight. And when I saw that, I got excited,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not
0: scared, right. not fearful. <laughs> Me too. Excited. Yeah. You know, Again, I don't want any. I, I don't want anybody injured. No, I don't want anybody injured. I, you can't, but I love the vagaries of nature. I just yes. love it. Yes. I love that snowstorm Friday night. It beats the half-ass piddling snow. If it's gonna snow, snow. Bring it exactly. out. Let's go here. <laughs> Let's do it. And don't use an electric snowblower.
3: Right.
4: But what about <laughs> you know we had eight storms uh, last year, which cost America well more than eight, eight than a billion dollars per storm. Come on, you it's can do it. It's far cheaper to recognize what's coming and cure the problem ahead of time.
0: Right, you're going to cure. You're going to prevent warm air from rising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not God. Only God could prevent warm air. From rising by the way, and I don't think he's interested. No, he's got other problems.
3: Have you guys see, speaking of storms, have you guys seen the photo of the movie theater? Is it a, uh, was it Mayfield, Kentucky? It's Mayfield, yeah.
0: Kentucky is yep. the name of the town.
3: Um, and the, the movie theater, this where the screen would be, mm-hmm. was destroyed. So, and it, it shows a view of the city. Yeah, it's
0: haunting, but it's 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 an amazing photo.
4: It's yeah, it's cool, really cool. Now Biden's
0: going there today. Uh, in 1925, Calvin Coolidge was president. Do you think Coolidge traveled to the site of the tri-state tornado, which resulted in 700 deaths? Oh, Taking him three days to get there, right? And then said. Oh my word! This is a this is a we have to do something about we're this. this. We're is, doomed. We're doomed. <laughs> Dwight Eisenhower was elected January 1953, so he was president obviously in December of 1953 when an F5 hit Vicksburg, Mississippi. You think Eisenhower went to the scene of that tornado and played it up for his political grandstanding? And five will get you ten. You all know that Biden will bring up climate change today in Kentucky, and if not, will be prompted to by these. Irresponsible reporters who don't put their nose in the book and don't go and look and find out that a tornado hit Vicksburg in December of '53.
1: I have a question before John nails you on this. When was Eisenhower elected? January '53.
4: Well, he, oh, he was inaugurated. He was inaugurated. I'm January. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Elected okay. in, the, in the autumn. I mean. Okay. All right. We're good. Everything's I'm good.
1: You,
0: you said it right. Everything's good. Uh, a, I don't think. Presidents might have routinely gone to the sites of storms. It hadn't occurred to their handlers yet that this was good for ratings. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Coolidge, I'm sure, didn't go to the tri-state breakout in 1925, and I don't think Dwight went to uh, Vicksburg in 1953.
4: The only reference to Eisenhower and that tornado is he declared the area a disaster area, but mm-hmm. he did not stop there. Yeah, of course right. He did he his did job. The... January yeah, exactly.
3: 20th, 1953.
0: Just... I know. That's when he was inaugurated. <laughs> yep. It's still the 20th. <laughs> Isn't it Chris? just well, Joe
1: yep, jo, all we're years. doing is trying to stop the emails before they get written. That's <laughs> all we're doing here.
0: Yeah, John uh John Monkey told me uh, he went to Best Buy in Maplewood last night and a Maplewood officer was sitting in his squad car outside the door and this John guy walked up to him and said, "Look it, I'm thinking of maybe doing a smash and grab, but oh, no. will you give me a uh, will you give me a head start? I got a fake knee, hip and shoulder." So I asked him, how much of a head start would he give me? He smiled and replied enough to make it interesting. We laughed and wished each other a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Officer, I'm going to go in here. If you see me struggling out with a big 25 or you know 55-inch TV screen, I'm going to be moving slowly.
3: You know what? I bet that's the moment of levity that that cop needed that day. They do
1: need levity. Yes, yep. they do.
0: I'm, I'm very excited about today's show. Uh, I, I've developed a, th- uh, a thought on the garage logic service road of life based on two things that I've encountered today. One is an email from a guy named Todd Fedora, who writes, uh, I received this, uh, what's today's date?
4: January 15th. 15th. Excuse me, December 15th. December 15th.
0: I'm catching up on your show from yesterday. So you wrote this yesterday referring to Monday show." I'm catching up on your show from yesterday. A little background. I was a Duluth City Councilor from 2007 to 2011. Ran unsuccessfully late in 2003, learned the ins and outs, ran against the then incumbent in 2007, won, ran for re-election in 2011 and lost by 12 votes. A perfect example of apathy, in the seven districts I represented, there was slippage of 2,100 votes cast from the 2008 presidential election and 1,800 votes, or non-votes, from the 2010 election when Representative Kravik unseated longtime Representative Oberstar. I was okay with losing by 12 votes with the thought of my now feeble mind that if you're not willing to vote, I'm not that upset about not representing you. Duluth has definitely shifted left. Though we don't have many tall buildings. The challenge with moderate or right tilting candidates is they don't have the support of liberal groups, ASME, teachers' unions, etc. They not only provide monetary support, but also the boots on the ground, knocking on doors and dropping campaign literature. I remember knocking on doors one October afternoon with my lovely wife and observing teams of two representing the other candidate, with computer tablets in hand swarming the neighborhoods. If you are not affiliated affiliated with these groups, you are not an immediate competitive. You are at an immediate competitive disadvantage when you drop your twenty-five dollar fee at the city clerk's office to run. Sure, monetary help is appreciated for lawn signs, literature, or mailers, but it pales in comparison to bona fide horsepower. Then, if you're fortunate to get elected as a moderate or right tilting, I was one of forty-two of those individuals in Duluth, then you have to abandon all sensibility of common sense. Whether it's appointing citizens to city boards, approving utility and tax increases, or formulating policy on the topic du jour, there is little rational decision-making contemplated. It's all about benefiting your favored groups, those who provided you support. Mm -hmm. I think the candidate profile that you're trying to encourage does not want to deal with this BS. Time, effort, money, and I think my colleagues, or the younger set, just don't want to deal with it. I get asked if I'm going to run again, my response is a sturdy no, I don't have the fire in my belly anymore. Best wishes to you and the crew, Todd Fedora, and he provided me his phone numbers up in Duluth, and I've called him, and he will be joining us. In, uh, oh, He'll be good. joining us today, and I want him to join us based on a previous uh, a story I read in the uh, on the Channel Five news site uh, prior to reading Fedora's email, and then a beautiful lightning bolt, which shouldn't happen in December. You shouldn't no. get lightning in December, <laughs> but a lightning bolt went off of my head. More than 300 Edina residents turned out for a community crime prevention meeting Tuesday night. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but I think that's a lot. Yeah, that's substantial. Yeah, it is. They asked police to do all they could to arrest violent criminals and urge prosecutors in the Hennepin County Attorney's Office to seek the toughest possible prison or jail sentences. One woman who identified herself, Jessie, this is the gal we featured. The gal in the T-shirt who described right. her, yep. her beating outside the Lunds yes. Byerly's. Yep. And uh, we now know her first name. We don't know her last name. And incidentally, uh, if any GLers are listening and they know this young gal, I'd dearly love to have her on the air too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one woman who identified herself as Jessie told the crowd she survived a violent attempted carjacking last Thursday in Edina at the Lunds and Byerly's grocery store at 50th and France. And urge those in attendance to push for an end to the violent crime. Uh, The time for us to be ignored is over. And we have watched two years of an inflating crime rate go through the roof, said Jesse. We are being terrorized in our homes, in our cars, in our everyday lives. And what you see on my face is the least traumatizing thing of what's going on in my body. Minneapolis resident Julie mm. Wickland told those in attendance that she was the survivor of an armed home invasion with her 14-year-old daughter not far from the border and city limits of Edina. And mm. she asked for the support in seeking tougher sentences for violent offenders. We have to have attention placed on sentencing guidelines, and that just has to be addressed, said Wickland. Assistant Hennepin County Attorney Tom Arneson said... Prosecutors seek the toughest sentences possible for juveniles. Still, those longer sentences are not always permissible in some cases because the state seeks rehabilitation of most juvenile offenders. That doesn't work. We have had 85 carjacking cases presented to our office so far this year, and I can tell you we have prosecuted about 85% of those cases, said Arneson. I would love to have that number be 100%, and then every case submitted to us was prosecuted. The meeting comes on a day when the Hennepin County Attorney's Office announced a new task force of attorneys to handle the surge in carjacking cases. All right. Uh, there, are, there are really going to be aggressive about the prosecution of these crimes in Hennepin County, said Edina Mayor Jim Hovland. Edina's mayor said he spoke earlier in the day with County Attorney Mike Freeman. So that people can prosper and not worry and not be fearful, not having to look over their shoulders, Hovland said, about the hopes the suspects are caught. A group of residents invited city leaders and law enforcement to address the crime, crime spree in recent weeks. As we've seen the trends and certainly started to feel it, it was becoming a really important issue, said Liz Ross, meeting co-organizer. It was moving from property crime, uh, upsetting, something you can prevent by locking your cars or removing your car, uh, keys, to really violent crime and to assaults. Three people were injured in that carjacking of uh, Jesse, Thursday, and Edina. Last Thursday evening, Edina police responded to the Lunds and at the intersection of 50th and France for an in-progress carjacking. Police said four juvenile males tried to take an occupied vehicle when two good Samaritans uh, stepped in to help, one of whom got hurt, by the way. Edina police shared images of people they believed are connected to the attempted carjacking, along with announcing a reward. These are violent and scary issues for the victims who are carjacked, some happening in broad daylight, Outside the grocery store, or their homes, Henneman County Attorney Mike Freeman said in a statement, my office will provide victim assistance and prosecute cases referred to us from law enforcement. All right, now you can say, well, this is Edina, and the minute there was a you know a lovely young woman attacked and is willing to show off her battered face. <laughs> that, you you can say, well, look at these look at these characters jump into action. That,
1: that is being said, Joe.
0: Right. Well, meanwhile in Frogtown there's might have been seven carjackings right, last week right. that don't get the attention. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, this you're answering the question that I was about to ask you. Thank you. Well, now my
0: now my idea that I developed after reading The Dinah story and the letter from Todd Fedora. There certainly has to be as many, if not more, law-abiding citizens awakening to the idea that their public safety is in terrible jeopardy. Mm -hmm. There has to be as many of those people in the metropolitan area as there are ask me union members willing to go door knock for another leftist candidate. So what needs to happen, and I don't care if it starts in Edina or Frogtown or on the east side, what needs to happen is that awakening has to be built on and candidates have to be discovered who will be supported by those who have been awakened. Who will do the door knocking just like liberal groups do. And they can outnumber the people who keep installing into local politics the very people who are ruining America's biggest cities. And I think one of the reasons I want to talk to this Jesse woman is that maybe she's been so awake and she'd like to do something about this in terms of a leadership role. Or run for office. So question for no, no, you. No, let me finish. All right. Do, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. I, I need to vote for a candidate who is aware of the danger to public safety to my family and my neighbors and to anyone, whether they're going out for, to a, a dinner or driving in their car to the store. I need a candidate who is going to work hard to begin to undo all the legislative laws that have resulted in such lax sentencing. If we don't do that, we are going to be even in more dire straits. But those people, those of us who want to elect that kind of candidate, we have to outnumber those who don't. Now you got to overcome the apathy of a 30,000 voter turnout in St. Paul. You got to overcome the apathy that Fedora witnessed in his city council race in Duluth. But if we don't overcome it, we're all in danger. Yes, Kenny.
1: Do You care what political stripe this uh, potential no, candidate is? I absolutely wears?
0: do not. I absolutely do not.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: You know,
3: do you guys also, when you're whether you're out in public or whatever, you, your heightened sense of awareness is probably very high. correct? It had best be. So the other night, and I can't remember if I told you guys this, but when I took my son to the wild game, uh, it was about six thirty, quarter to seven at night. We parked in the hospital ramp, walked. Three blocks to the XL. As we were about to make a left-hand turn to get onto Seventh Street, he's uh, on my left so that I'm facing the street. A guy, probably in his mid to late twenties, came sprinting around the corner. And my immediate reaction was to grab him and be ready to f- throw down. Grab the kid or grab the, my son? Yeah. I mean, that's that's where we're at. And of course, he just he was probably running late or whatever. He there was no interaction, but. That was my immediate reaction. I wouldn't have had that reaction five years ago. I'd say
1: that's the proper reaction.
0: Okay, back to Edina. Uh, they might start with this. Their uh, their house representative is uh, Heather Edelson, a DFLer. And, and for all I know, the residents of Edina are terribly satisfied with her work. But among the committees their own house member is on is public safety and criminal justice reform and finance. So call her up, Edina residents. Does she share your concerns about these criminals who just have a revolving door back to the street? Your senator, Edina, is Melissa Lopez Franzen, who was an attorney and a small uh, business owner. Uh, And again, for all I know, uh, the uh, citizens of Edina are terribly satisfied with her representation. But those are your people, Heather Edelson and Melissa Lopez. Uh, so you're saying instead of
1: us bitching at Freeman and his office for finally uh, doing something because it's affecting Edina, that all—pardon me—all communities or uh, all cities, people of Minneapolis, Saint Paul, or anybody in Hennepin County, Ramsey, whatever, should be on the phone.
0: Absolutely. And finding candidates. To restore law and order, and these concerned citizens will work. I will I will go door knock for a candidate. I will be the ASHME member of that candidate's team. I'll be glad to spend a day door knocking. I, I, I think you're right. I think the Freeman
1: and Hennepin County reacting to this, this is the ball starting to roll. It has and, to. And I think we got to keep it rolling.
0: And it must roll for the people of Frogtown. Yep. It must roll for the people of North Minneapolis.
1: Yep. Or St. Cloud, Rochester. Yep. Coon Rapids, Burnsville, doesn't yep. matter where.
0: But Edina, you could argue, uh, they have quite a bit at stake in this game. They have successful lives and beautiful homes. and. Yep. And,
1: and then instead of bitching at them and bitching at Freeman, let's just keep the ball rolling. Let's use this advantage we have right now
0: and, and snowball this. And thus, why I want to talk to Todd Fedora in Duluth, who's seen it now from both sides, and I want to bounce off him this idea. This awakening of the populace is incredibly important. If it takes Edina to make it happen, so be it. That's fine with me, but it's got to happen everywhere.
3: We'll sacrifice Edina. No, they won't get I'm sacrificed. kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: What I don't get about today's politics, and I don't know if we've discussed this before, is uh, I know union guys, blue-collar guys. They're not lefties. <laughs> They're not lefties at all. I know, but but yet, they
0: keep supporting the DFL.
1: But the union is in bed with the far left. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any sense to me because these guys are more conservative than I could ever
0: be. Well, plus remember, this isn't your father's DFL. this is the mystery and these are uh, these are incompetent unqualified people they're getting elected due to the very apathy that has brought about the mess we're in how does
1: how does the marriage between unions and the the republican party how do we how do you make that
0: marriage work i don't i don't know how it works yeah I, i don't know that it would would it But I just think the two cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, are so poorly led, they're so poorly represented, that uh, it's going to take an uprising. Uh, I've been talking about that, a peaceful one, I've always insisted. And I I think that's a significant number of people to show up at Edina City Hall on a Tuesday night. It's 300 people. And they're making themselves heard, and that's what has to be done. If we don't do this, we're never going to be safe. Now, earlier I said, why, why have we become a culture so willing to be frightened? Right. Uh, I think it's perfectly legitimate to be frightened of human beings. I'm not frightened by nature. I'm not, I'm not frightened by what the temperature is. I'm not frightened by wind. I'm not frightened by snow and rain. I don't look at every weather event as an example of the apocalypse. But I'm frightened that a kid of mine that I used to have could be innocently walking back to her car from the supermarket and get the crap beat out of her. That frightens
1: me. Reavers just said something a few minutes ago that's lingering in my brain. Ready to throw down was Mm -hmm. the phrase he used. And uh, I'm at the age where I ain't ready. I was thinking, John, I was going to ask John. John, you ready?
4: No, uh, yeah, I'm at that age, too.
1: You ready to throw
0: down, buddy? No, I've got terrible shoulder problems. We shouldn't Seriously. have to right. throw right. down.
3: Right. We shouldn't have to throw down. Yeah. Well, I guess what I meant by that... No, was-
0: I, I'm not criticizing
1: you, uh, Reavers. I respect you well, for saying that. I, I I would have probably
3: reacted different had I been walking alone. But it's if if my kid's with me, I don't care
1: what happens. Well, you, but saw see, a kid you don't run by you.
3: But you, you know, but it was my reaction. We know
1: the Reavers on the train story. I mean, yeah, yeah. Reavers is ready. Kenny isn't.
0: <laughs> Kenny's
3: behind Reavers.
1: Right. <laughs> no, no, totally. totally.
0: No, Kenny. We're ready. We're just no longer capable. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. If I threw anything now with my right arm, my shoulder'd be dislocated again. Well, you fell walking.
1: I'd, if I yeah, punched somebody in the face, I'd break every bone in my hand. Yeah, yeah. The thing is so arthritic, I can barely get a finger straight. But
3: I guess it was just, it, it almost,
1: it was almost shocking to
3: me that that was my instant reaction. Because I, I guarantee I wouldn't have had that reaction five years well, ago.
1: That's nothing to be ashamed of, because
0: yeah. Every city in the country that has set a homicide rate in 2021, 12 major cities, including St. Paul, they need a wholesale cleaning house of who represents them.
3: Almost like it's a football team. Get rid really, of everybody. You, everybody's everybody got to go. You've <laughs> got
1: to play your freshmen. Mm-hmm.
0: And Edina must keep it up. They've started the ball rolling. They must keep it up. The criminals did us a favor. They opened our eyes. Yeah. Finally well, they, woke up. Yeah. I want to do you a favor and steer you to EcoFun Motorsports in Downtown Forest Lake for your Christmas shopping. Man, it's a great location. It's right there on Highway 61 in Downtown Forest Lake. $200 off all in-stock Bentelli e-bikes, $300 off all Yamaha electric bikes, youth ATV starting at 1099. Come on. Bentelli scooters that turn every urban errand into an adventure. Your choice of 3 models for 1299. You'll visit the gas station about once every two weeks. All Yamaha clothing, 10% off, and full snowmobile servicing if you uh, need to get your ride ready to go this winter. And, yeah, they're still accepting winter storage units, so you could ask Tim or or his daughter, I want to buy an electric bike. Will you guys keep it for me till spring? They probably will. And uh, they have a great service department. They're great people. These are really, really great affordable Christmas gifts, especially if you've got young kids. They have great... Recreational equipment for youth at EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake on Highway 61.
3: Egan, and please let them know that you heard about him on the garage logic podcast here's a man who
0: spends
1: hours in hardware stores
0: sifting through the nuts and bolts of life Joe Sushere
1: okay so Nate writes a letter Nate from Plymouth writes a letter and I think all of us GLers could learn something from this it's a little long but hang with me here uh, years back my Chevy conversion van was starting to run a little rough a friend reminded me of Seafoam and how well it had worked for him but gave a warning beware of where you are when you use it the process was always you dump a can into the tank uh, but then take an additional can dump it directly into the car while it's running until that kills the car this is standard procedure for a lot of guys don't worry about this Uh, and then you take what's left and uh, dump the rest in the tank right uh and then return to the vehicle after it dies let it work its magic start it up drive off but Be careful because the smoke, it's going to smoke for a while. Uh, And he did this, buddy did this in an apartment building parking lot, and the green cloud had the neighbors giving him the side eye. So, Matt, being the smart, excuse me, Nate, the smart guy, he goes to his work parking lot, abandoned for the weekend. Uh, He does the routine, fires up the buggy, drops it into drive, hits the gas, intending to leave this big cloud in the vacant lot. But the van. Uh, careened off and the Green cloud got sucked into the air intake, into the van, and filled the van with smoke. No, like he's Cheech and Chong. <laughs> that's he actually. Did you read this? No, because that's what he said. Uh, he said now it looked like Cheech and Chong. He opens the door and all the smoke comes tumbling out. Uh, but he, you know, 15 minutes later, he said the uh, air had cleared enough and the van was running uh, beautifully and it's smooth and it's been great ever since uh, so that's just a, a little helpful hint from nate in plymouth and thank you very much Rem- remember this seafoam you can get it anywhere get it at the bakery it's available all over worldwide truly a wonderful product in a world of bad
0: gas seafoam is, is todd fedora joining us hello todd
5: mayor how are you i'm flattered to be uh joining your show
0: i uh, enjoyed your email you are uh because i want to run something by you you, are, you were a city councilor, a city councillor from 2007 to 2011, right? Yes. And, city of Duluth, yep. and you were uh, of, 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 of moderate political leanings, would
5: you say? Uh, I would say right tilting.
0: All right. And then you lost in uh, 2011 by 12 votes.
5: Yeah, you know, I ran in 2003, Joe, on a whim. My mom and dad said, we'll help you. I filed with an hour left from the filing deadline. I had no idea what I was getting myself into.
2: But I learned
5: my lesson. And so when I ran in 2007, I was well prepared. I started raising money in March so I could have time to door knock and get out there and meet people. And then I won in 2007.
0: Todd, who are we hearing? Who are we hearing? Is there someone in the room with you that's clouding your uh, delivery? We're hearing other people on the phone or something.
5: No, I just dumped, I'm on a, I'm on a non-profit uh, board meeting. We'll get rid of that.
0: All right. But you, there you go. There you go. What ins and outs did you realize?
5: <clears throat> well, you know, I followed your dialogue with John Strongitharm over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm and I get a feeling that he came in uh, on a whim. But you can't go in on a whim, Joe, right. or mayor. you got to be well prepared, because what happens with these candidates that are represented by unions or progressive people, they have the horsepower to back them up. So they'll get the money, but then more importantly, they have the horsepower. And so like the email that I sent to you, When my wife and I, Lisa, were out door knocking in the eastern part of town, you know, knocking on doors, shaking hands, doing all that kind of stuff, we noticed that they had teams of two going through the neighborhoods, and they had iPads.
2: Mm -hmm.
5: And what they were doing is they were identifying voters, and they would ask people, what's your most important uh, issue with the city of Duluth, Mm -hmm. or it could be St. Paul or Minneapolis or whatever, and they'd say, well, the streets kind of stink or utility rates are high. And they would put that on the iPad. And then they would cross-pollinate that to the candidate. And then the candidate would then follow up two days later and say, I understand you met with one of my doorknoggers. And I, too, think that the streets need to be fixed. Right. So what they do is they have this connection. Right. And so when you have people that are right of center or whatever – that are naive if that's a good term that want to run to represent their neighbors right they don't understand the organization that happens to get these other people elected and so like i had mentioned money is one thing you know when i ran in 2003 2007 2011 i did okay with money you know i was doing radio at Mm -hmm. the end and whatever but what you really need is you need the boots on the ground. You need the people to help do the lit drops. All right. You know, I had a, I mean, my mom and dad. We did a buffet here because people would say they would help door knock yep. and do whatever. Joe or mayor, the only people that showed up was two. Huh. So you know, talk is cheap.
0: All right. Let me run something. To... Let me run something by you. You you certainly must be aware of this horrible rash of carjackings, for example, that the Twin Cities is experiencing.
5: Yes, I'm very aware.
0: Uh, there's a nascent undertaking in the city of Edina where 300 people showed up last night demanding to be kept safe, and what they're really demanding to be kept safe from. Are these lenient sentencing guidelines and uh, prosecutors failing to prosecute? Uh, these, these people uh, committing carjackings, they're not doing it for the first time. They're, uh, they're, no. It's a revolving door. But last no. night in Edina, you got the sense that 300 people have awakened to what's happened after years and years and years of electing the same type of people. So my contention is everyone is affected and concerned about their own public safety, and wouldn't those people turn out and do the door knocking for a candidate who promised them that that's what they wanted to get to the bottom of and fix in this country, or in this state, or in this city? In other words, you can. Every one of us is concerned. of I'll I'll door knock for the right candidate. Uh, you. My contention is, if you got the right candidate, you wouldn't be short of boots on the ground. Does that make sense?
5: It makes sense, Joel. But when it comes to boots on the ground that people got to do. I mean, when you send out an email or a phone call on a Saturday morning when you're doing door knocking, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the Vikings or the Gophers or whoever playing football, they kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. Again, again, talk is cheap. And the stuff that's going on in the Twin Cities resonates here in northern Minnesota.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: I mean, when you've got carjackings up here or down there, uh, it, it, it hesitates people to go down to the Twin Cities. What we need to do is we need to support our law enforcement officers and make sure we get that taken care of. We need to get the right people elected to make sure that we're putting the budget priorities in the right spot. And right now is not in the right spot. And I know that you and Kenny uh, and Rookie and, and everybody else knows that, but you've got to go out and vote Right. You know, like the email, I said. I mean, I won in two thousand seven, and then in you know 2010, 2012, I looked at the precincts. There was a huge slippage in those local elections where people simply didn't vote, mm-hmm. like they didn't care. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if, if you don't care, then I'm not that disappointed about losing by twelve votes.
0: When during your time on the council, were you the only right? tilting member of the council.
5: There was three of nine of us. Okay. Um, and so we were out, we were outnumbered a bunch of times. I mean, we did create a coalition on certain stuff. Like Duluth was the first city to to ban synthetic marijuana. Mm-hmm. But when it came to you know endorsing whatever the topic de jour was, uh, we were obviously on the wrong side. Uh, but i mean yeah and if you're a republican in duluth you're in a minority and frankly you know the way duluth is districted you know we've got five districts uh the eastern district is the one that i used to represent uh, used to be the most conservative district it's hmm. now probably the most liberal
0: really what so, ha- what happened
5: you've got infiltration to some extent you've got folks from the university you know maybe it's uh, the millennials i don't know you know people ask me from time to time run again but Mm -hmm. i you know i don't have the fire in my belly mare i don't think i could get reelected you know as much money as you could throw at it i don't think i get reelected because you just don't have that support i mean you need the you know the boots on the ground the door knockers the lid drops, the lawn signs. I will tell you, you know, in 2011 or 7, I can't remember, I had 600 lawn signs, Mayor, and I lost a third. A third. Mm-hmm. Never, to be si- never to be seen again because they just disappear. Because you've got people pulling them and wow. you know, throwing them in the woods or whatever. Jeez. And at 7, 8 bucks a piece, you know, that gets expensive.
0: Prior to your first attempt in 2003, what were you doing for a living?
5: You know, I've been in banking for 34 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, lived in Duluth my entire life. You know, my, my genesis to get involved in politics was when uh, they were trying to get the, the golf course uh, built on Spirit Mountain. Right. There was an attorney that was uh, representing the developer. Uh, the attorney who was a very good friend of mine and who's uh, liberal, he's left, you know, some could say very left, went up and talked in front of the council about, you know, the economic uh, benefits of developing a golf course or whatever. And he had these speakers that went up in front of the council and said he was a racist Uh because there was some native American tie. And so at that point in time, my, threw on my jeans and a t-shirt and I ran down there and I said, this guy is not a racist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go back to your term about, you know, the term racism doesn't mean anything anymore.
0: Right. They
5: throw that card out there. Right. And if there was anybody that was not a racist in the city of Duluth, it was this guy. It was this attorney. Yep. And so at that point in time, I'm like, you know, this is kind of, it's kind of baloney. Are
0: you, you still know? in, are you still in banking? I am. You have yeah, kids. Thirty-four years. You have kids. I have four. Four kids, and you're a lifelong resident of Duluth, and you've lost the uh, you've lost that fire in your belly.
5: Don't have the energy anymore, mayor. How old Six are you? Dollars. How old are you? I'm 56.
0: You know the Canadler family
5: i do not okay what
0: i got one of my guys to go grocery shopping today (laughs) no one of my doctors is a guy named canadler and there's about 10 kids and they're all doctors and they're all from duluth so i I thought maybe i thought maybe todd would know him
5: well you know what mayor duluth is god's country
0: yeah yeah but how long will that last
5: well it's a great town and you know we don't have that many tall buildings but you know, we're certainly going left, that's
3: for sure. Todd, one of the things I've always said about Duluth, Joe, you'll appreciate this, the most underrated craft beer city in the country. Hmm. No question.
5: Know, so are you telling me you've been to Lincoln Park there, Reavers, or what? Once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't believe enough people
0: concerned about public safety could be Gathered together to work for a candidate the way leftist candidates have their boots on the ground. You don't but you don't believe that could happen because I, I believe that could happen as people continue to awaken uh to the circumstances of their lives right now.
5: Mayor, I hate to be cynical, but yep. I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. Okay. You know, I went to my office here a week ago and walked across Superior Street and I had a individual that certainly was addicted to something who was tweaking Mm
2: -hmm. right
5: in front of my office window. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a lot of problems in this society, whether it's substance abuse, uh, homelessness or whatever. And, uh, you talk about the shootings and the murders in this, in this country and how they're run by democratic mayors. These law enforcement officers are, they have their hands tied. Um, I think they need to be more proactive. Mm-hmm. I think we need to fund them more. I, I, I'm not running for office. Don't get me. You know,
0: yeah, but I'm that's what we need. Office. That's who we need to run for office. That's who we yeah, need.
5: But but you got you, you you need to you need to provide a path to success for these people, or or some sort of you know therapy or whatever. Right. Because what's happening now in downtown Duluth is it's, it's it's not dying, but it's tarnished. Right, it's tarnished. Well, that's and happening that's what, here. That's what's, yeah. That's I, I was going to say. That's what's happening in downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul. You know, I talked to a colleague here a couple of weeks ago who said downtown Minneapolis was like a ghost town mm-hmm. now—pandemic or crime or what have you. You know, but from my standpoint, as an outstate resident, I re- like to refer myself as Greater Minnesota. Right. It's going to take. I'm I'm a bit hesitant to go down to Metro mm-hmm. because of the carjackings and all this other stuff that's going on. I mean, you know, my kids are on lacrosse and soccer, and you know, my daughter is an English teacher in Faribault. You go through the Metro area, Mayor, and you're you're kind of on edge. And I don't know if that's media or not, but that's a that's a perspective that you have. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: it sounds like Duluth is, uh, uh, is the, the worst uh, for you uh, not being on the council, but I can understand that you're, you're at a point where you're enjoying your life and you're tired of the BS.
5: Yeah, you know, I uh, just kind of lay low and be quiet and uh, see articles in the newspaper and uh, shake my head and go, well, you know, it's the bed that we've made. Right. You know, you elect these people. That have very little experience in looking at budgets, right? Or asking critical questions, or I mean, I've gotten into a few rhubarbs over the years
2: mm-hmm.
5: about asking questions, you know, and I've been intimidated, which doesn't work for me. Um, and you just you you kind of figure this all out in your system, you know? Right,
0: Kenny. You got something for Todd?
1: Uh, I do, uh, and it's either naive or stupid, uh, and you might have to help me with this question, Joe, but um, maybe you can just help help me understand something. What I don't understand about a lot of parts of the country, and especially uh, the Arrowhead region up there, Duluth and Points North, is the marriage between uh, the unions and the Democratic Party Vis a vis, it seems like people on the left want to shut down the mining, shut down the logging, shut everything down. But yet, the unions seem to still be in bed with the left. Meanwhile, the right—it appears to be, it appears to me, from my point of view—that the right is trying to open up areas of logging, um, help the mining succeed, etc cetera, et cetera. And that whole thing, the juxtaposition there, really confuses me. Can you enlighten me at all on what's going on and what needs to change?
5: Well, Kenny, you've got a split there. You've got a split between the unions. Uh, up here in Duluth, they used to have a group called the Blue Green Alliance. Yeah. Which was the Greens, and then they asked Me. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the the builders' trades the iron workers, the plumbers, the pipe fitters, the drywallers, they want to see development because that gets their guys and gals off the bench. Right. And so, you know, you've got the building trades that support the people that are pro development. And I've got air quotes in the air here. Yeah. And then you've got the ASME and the greens that are on the other side. But the problem up here in Northern Minnesota is that the me members on a per capita basis way outnumber the the builder's traits, all right? Because you've got education, uh, you know, UMD, St. Scholastica, whatever. You've got, uh, you know, the environmental um, uh, group up here, uh, the EPA. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they have per capita votes. And so if the unions want to... Endorse a particular candidate that they like, they're going to naturally gravitate towards those less, you know, left leaning environmentalists, uh, pro union, pro ASME, pro government, what have you. And so, you know, Congressman Stauber has done a great job in the 8th Congressional District, you know, getting elected. And what he's done is he's captured the northern half of St. Louis County, which is Republican, but they don't want to admit it. And then the <laughs> southern third, which is Cambridge, of the 8th Congressional District, which then overrules what's happening in Duluth and up the shore. Now, the thing the thing with uh, with Congressman Stober is that He didn't win any precinct in the city of Duluth. Matter of fact, he didn't win any precinct in Hermantown, which is where he lives. His strength was in very northern Minnesota and then the southern ring of the district.
0: Huh. Wow. Todd, uh, it was great to get to know you and... uh... I'll hang on to your number. You could be a valuable source for us when uh, Lisa Bender hits town and tries to oh destroy us. Oh my God! Oh my God! I put
5: figure figures on there. You know I don't. You know I. You know does she shovel her sidewalk? Nope. No. No hell no. no. She's all yours, Todd. It's all you. Good luck with her, pal. <laughs> hey mayor. Hey mayor. Yeah. Just for your information, I have a uh, two stage snowblower.
0: Uh, well, you you probably need one. I can't get away with one. It would destroy my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> What's your cylinder index? Uh,
5: I think I'm up to twenty.
0: That's that's pathetic.
5: <laughs> that, more that,
0: than Joe that, has. No, that's
5: not more than <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a rookie, but I did blow out one cylinder because I've got the Honda generator going in the driveway right now, yeah. thinking that the weather might. Uh, I may need it.
0: Yeah, Todd, thank you very much for your time. We'll let you get back to your meeting there. Thank you, yeah, I appreciate it very there. much. Thank,
5: thank, Thanks, guys. Love your show.
0: All right, thank you very much.
5: Yep. Thank you.
3: Yep. He's too qualified. That's why he can't run for president. <laughs> too damn qualified.
1: <laughs> I need to stick to my specialty, fart
0: jokes. Uh, no, um, I thought your question was a good question. Underpants area. Jokes. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to remain optimistic. I'm going to remain optimistic that so many of us are going to awaken to the results of these leftist policies for the last 25 years, that they're gonna realize that they've placed their own lives in danger. And that needs to change, If like, like I said earlier, if it starts in Edina, so be it. It has to change everywhere. It has to change everywhere. I, just,
1: I, I keep wondering about my former neighbors who voted for Ilhan Omar, and then she s- has said what she has said about the police. And then these former neighbors that voted for her are beat up and carjacked and robbed and chased and followed and punched in the face and all of
0: that. How are you living with yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great question. One way you can live with yourself is just to eat better. You know, eat a lot of meat from offers, Yeah. Huh? Grunhofer's old-fashioned. Ah, my car mates. might
3: get stolen, but I got brats. <laughs> Listen, you're going up
0: north. Maybe you have a cabin up north, and you go up on weekends. Do you know how long it would take you to get to Grunhoffer's? You swing off Interstate 35 on Highway 97. What is it, Kenny, 20 seconds? You're yeah, right there. about. You're yeah. right there at the new Grunhoffer's Forest Lake store. So you load up, you get up to the uh, retreat, and, man, are you going to enjoy your cooking experiences up there because Grunhoffer's has the meatloafs you can take with you and the brats and the steaks and the burgers and the ham and the... The uh, all the sticks, different kinds of sticks, you can gnaw on those all the way up there. That store is really, really handy to Interstate 35, right on Highway 97. Just go east a couple blocks, and there it is. And the original location, of course, is uh, just north of Hugo on Highway 61. Uh, to our great disappointment, Johnny Height was there the other day and <laughs> did not take any of us into consideration, but got the grand tour of the expanded facilities from Spencer himself. It's really a, a really a fun stop. We can't recommend it highly enough. It's Grunhofer's old fashioned meats.
3: you can call them at 612-895-2440 for a free water analysis and estimate, or just check them out online at hoffermanwater.com, and please let them know that Garage Logic sent you.
0: This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Now. Joe Suchere. I
1: was thinking that the sky might fall.
3: I always think of the fair when I hear this song.
4: Here's John Hine. Thank you, Joe. In court this morning, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, as expected, pleaded guilty in the federal civil rights case. The federal charges included two counts alleging that Chauvin deprived George Floyd of his rights by kneeling on his neck as he was handcuffed and not resisting and then failing to provide medical care. The plea today means he will not face a federal trial in January, though he could end up spending more years behind bars when a judge sentences him at a later date. The judge questioned Chauvin after the signing. The judge said if Chauvin didn't sign the plea agreement, he could have possibly faced life in prison if convicted. Part of the deal, a plea deal consists of prosecutors asking the judge for a sentence of 240 to 300 months in prison. In Minnesota, defendants with good behavior serve two-thirds of their sentence in prison and the remaining one-third unsupervised release, also known as parole. Under that formula, Chauvin is expected to serve 15 years in prison on the state charges and seven and a half years on parole. Under sentencing guidelines, he could get a federal penalty ranging from 27 years to more than 33 years in prison with credit for taking the responsibility. That, according to a professor at the University of St. Thomas School of Law, Mark Ozil, as part of the plea deal, Chauvin also pleaded guilty to violating the rights of a then 14-year-old boy during a 2017 arrest in which he held the boy by the throat, hit him in the head with a flashlight, and held his knee on the boy's neck and upper back while he was prone, handcuffed, and not resisting at the time.
0: Do you guys recall the fairly cryptic comment from Chauvin upon his conviction? Yeah. That he said... I have some things I want to say, but I can't now. Yes. Do we ever know what that is? Has that ever been made known? No. Might and, he...
4: We thought today we might have heard it, right? And, yeah. and he said nothing, basically,
0: today. Maybe he'll say it upon his sentencing. Perhaps. I don't know. Perhaps. I don't huh. know.
4: Yeah. Pequot Lakes Public Schools canceled classes Monday due to an incident with a knife on campus last week and subsequent safety threats. Video posted to social media shows what police say is a student keying a Pequot Lakes High School principal's car with a knife on school grounds. The student was caught, but then potential threats started circulating on social media. Together Pequot Lakes Police, the school district and the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension worked over the weekend interviewing more than 30 students and determined there was no credible threat. However, Chief Klang said they have attained search warrants, will be looking deeper into cell phone records and accounts. He said that could take a few weeks. Uh, They did identify also the student uh, who did key the car, or I guess you'd call it knife the car, yeah. so uh, nothing uh, on what his punishment will be. The you know, hennepin School District sent a message to families, is uh, families announcing a plan to shift from using county-level data to school-level data about COVID-19. That means the mitigation strategies and decision-making will only be based on COVID-19 numbers within the district. That change in strategy is based on the availability of COVID vaccines for ages 5 to 11. The new guidelines are set to begin January 18th. Face coverings or masks will be recommended but not required for everyone in all grade levels. Face coverings will be required if 5% or more of students at a school test positive for COVID-19 regardless of vaccination status for 10 school days or two weeks. John? Yeah. In the Kim Potter trial,
0: the state will call today its final witnesses.
4: Yes, wrap up mm-hmm. their case.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, they want her scalp, something fierce. Well,
4: preliminary laboratory tests give encouraging signs that Pfizer's experimental COVID nineteen pill for the newly infected could work against Omicron, Omicron. Never know how to say that. According to the company, Pfizer also said uh, Tuesday that a final analysis of late-stage study results confirmed the drug, named Paxlovid, was 89% effective at reducing the risk of hospitalization and death in adults who are at high risk of severe COVID-19. Meanwhile, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine produced virtually No antibody protection against the Omicron coronavirus variant in a lab experiment. The vaccine appears to provide some defense, very small, perhaps via other means, such as stimulation of immune cells, according to Penny Moore, a South African virologist. The findings are consistent with other studies that show a partial loss of potency against COVID-19 for a number of vaccines with J&J's antibody protection looking particularly weak in the um, the lab test
3: mr mayor yes uh, i i need a ruling yes would that fall
4: under um you had one job
3: mm-hmm okay
4: anything about moderna in there i'm a moderna guy there's yeah. no moderna news that i saw joe yeah. yeah i'm i'm a pfizer guy and i'm still uh johnson a and johnson happy. you had one job Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, did you hear
1: the previous story he did about mask wearing in kids and schools? I, I, and all I was actually monitoring some
3: audio I might be using uh, from the press secretary, so, so I, I'm sorry I did not hear that. My
1: question for Chris, w- w- when is the world going to get around to admitting that indoor mask wearing is completely worthless?
3: I, You know, I don't know, and I always feel so bad. Every morning I walk my boys to school, and these kids are... In their car with their families with their masks on.
1: If this had worked, the indoor mask wearing, wouldn't we have pretty much stopped the virus by now or no? I don't or know. no. Or no. I I'm a lawyer, but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I just needed to get that off my chest. I feel the same way. It might way sound you do, like Kenny. a dumb question. No, but I feel I, I the exact know. same way you do. I, I just feel we should have made some steps
3: by now. And I'm also with Joe. I'm a rule follower. If you're going to tell me yeah, I need to have uh, it on, I put it same on. Same here. Well, I put
1: it on. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, and I'm not preaching against it, but it just I would have liked to see better results. But in Australia, Kenny, if you go to a pub,
3: you have to have your mask on while you're drinking your beer. Drink through the mask. Yep. <laughs>
1: So it's just a beer mask right. to match
0: my beer, beer goggles. Exactly. <laughs> now it looks like we're going to be canceling Christmas in the UK. <gasps> and the CDC is issuing a winter warning. Uh-oh. They may have to cancel Christmas. That's right.
1: Boy,
4: Rookie sure isn't here to do it. Where did sure this, wish
3: Rook,
1: Rook
4: was here. Where did they cancel
1: f- Christmas. Where did this virus originate?
4: Wuhan, this, China. In, okay. Wuhan. All right. Uh, boy, this is a story. This is making national news. Instacart driver. Mm-hmm. So I'll see the, wow, this story. yes. When an Instacart wow, driver word arrived... word I can't say. Uh-huh. Yeah, boy. A couple words, actually. I can yeah, do. me When too. an <laughs> Instacart driver arrived at an elderly Blaine couple's home last week, they expected to open the door to groceries. Instead, they found their order strewn about the driveway and a note tucked in the Christmas wreath on their front door. The note denounced law enforcement as police pigs and told the couple to find another slave. After reading the note, the couple looked toward the scattered groceries and realized the woman had run over them with her car. Blaine Police Chief Brian Podani gave those details of the December 6th incident at a news conference. Podani said the 36-year-old driver appears to have been upset by a sign in the couple's front yard, praising his officers, the sign reading, Thank You Blaine PD. On the night of December 5th, the couple used the online delivery app, Instacart, to buy about 50 bucks worth of groceries. That, according to Amber Gray, writing in an online fundraising post, she's a relative of the unnamed couple. The couple paid attention to Instacart's online alerts as they were notified of the shopping run's progress the next morning. One popped up when the delivery driver was at the store, another when she'd finished, and a third when she was on her way when they got an alert saying she was in the neighborhood, the couple headed out to help her, afraid that the car might get stuck in the fresh snow. Well, once outside, they saw the woman rocking her car back and forth in the driveway, and they thought, yeah, she got stuck. So they motioned for her to get out of the car and come to them. Instead, the police chief said the driver yelled at them, told them to check the Christmas wreath, where they then found the note written on the back of the receipt. It read, Instacart doesn't pay employees. Find another slave, racist. And then F. Oh, wow. And then F the police pigs. After the driver took off, the couple discovered their groceries scattered all over the driveway. Mm-hmm. Although they're still investigating, Blaine police said they've identified the driver. And now this morning, I just read before we uh, started recording, they have charged her with criminal damage to property. She'll be out the next day. Instacart gave the couple a refund <laughs> and will cooperate with police. Uh, Gray started the GoFundMe campaign for her relatives late last week. Uh, Now, this is the good part of the story. In six days, it's raised more than $11,000 for the couple. Mm -hmm. Yes. Take that, lady. Awesome. They they will use it to buy more groceries, they said, and to pay for medical expenses. Uh, When Amber Grace set up the GoFundMe campaign, her goal, $500, Mm -hmm. and it raised $11,000. That stupid Mm half-wit.
1: Who is she going to call... When a group of five kids walk up to her and beat the living hell out of mm-hmm. her and take her car, mm-hmm. who is she going to call? she going to call Joe Biden? She going to huh? call
4: Ghostbusters. Yeah. Moron. <laughs> Americans slowed their spending from October to November, but still continued to shop ahead of the critical holiday season, brushing off rising prices and shortages. Retail sales rose a modest seasonally adjusted 0.3% in November compared with the previous month when sales jumped 1.8% according to the U.S. Commerce Department. It was a little weaker than most economists had, expect, uh, economists had expected. Yet early holiday shopping, they said, may have pushed holiday shopping traditionally done in November up a month to October with news of shortages and supply chain issues consistently in Headlines. Uh,
3: I don't know if you guys saw this, um, but you know the White House had their daily press briefing,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, the White House press secretary, uh, Jen Psaki, was asked about rising uh, meat prices. Uh, right. and here was her response.
6: I think that the president thinks the way people across the country, American families uh, digest inflation is by price increases. And if you look at industry to industry, it's a little different. So for example, the president, the secretary of agriculture have both spoken to what we've seen as the greed of meat conglomerates. That is an area when where people go to the grocery store and they're (laughs) trying to buy a pound of meat, two pounds of meat, 10 pounds of meat. Um, It is the prices are higher. That is in his view, uh, and the view of our Secretary of Agriculture because of, you could call it corporate greed, short. Sure. You could sure, call it oh, uh, oh. jacking up prices uh, uh, it, during a pandemic. Oh. Uh, there are other areas where we've seen increases oh, uh, out because here. of supply chain issues. And we're seeing those increases around the world as it relates to gas prices, uh, oil on. supply, and things oh, along yeah. those lines. So I would say there's are some areas uh, where we have seen uh, corporations uh, benefit, profit from the pandemic. Uh, oh, and, turn this uh, and blathering
5: and you know off. That component? <laughs> the
1: nonsense sh- that she's spewing... That's Kamala-like. I'm trying to find it desperately. That the nonsense she's spewing makes no more sense than that poor girl who we vowed never to play her right. sound, the right. such-as right. girl. It, the makes, the have it makes the same amount of sense, <laughs> a- and you know what? I can tag Ellison on this too. This is this. We have the same problem right here in the state where Ellison goes after the egg producers mm-hmm. because the demand in eggs went up. There was a shortage of production. Prices went up. He immediately uh, chased down
0: the egg producers, and, and about whom he knows nothing—nothing nothing at all. Nothing, Kenny. I think it's perfectly. I need explained it. I need Kamala Kamala to explain it to me.
5: Thank you. Well, let's start with this.
0: Okay. Uh,
5: prices have gone up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. And home run. Families and individuals sure. are dealing with the
6: realities of of. That bread costs more. The gas costs more.
0: Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we
6: have to understand what that means. So what
0: does that mean? That's
6: about the cost of living Oh. Going up. Oh. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> really.
1: Second in line. This used to Democrats. be one hell of a country. That is your second in line.
4: It just, just once, used to be
1: uh, one hell of a
4: country just once on my resume i wish i could have put head of meat conglomerate
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> you greedy bastard your, your, your business meat card. mafia
3: you <laughs> meat monster. your business card would have been a giant meatloaf yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meat conglomerates wow uh, dc
0: attorney general what does general... spencer think when he hears bs like that
4: <laughs> god almighty uh, Oh. D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine announcing yesterday his office is suing the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers over the January 6th attack at the U.S. Capitol. Using a law that had been used to go after the Ku Klux Klan, the civil lawsuit will try to obtain financial release uh, relief from the group's. The lawsuit also marks the first liberal lawsuit by a government agency to seek penalties for the attack on Congress. The Civil War-era law was recently used for the first time in modern history in that civil lawsuit, which won $26 million in compensatory and punitive damages from white supremacists and neo-Nazis who helped organize the Unite the Right rally back in Charlottesville, Virginia in August of 2017.
0: See, I meant to mention that Todd Fedora uh, texted me a photograph of one of his yard signs. Oh, Vote Fedora City Council. has got a little red fedora on the sign. It's kind of a clever sign. And it's riddled with uh, either bullet holes or pellet gun holes. You're kidding no, me. there it is right there. Wow. Show, show it to the guys.
2: There, mm, there you go.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. The left, they're so kind and gentle. Oh, they're very they? tolerant. And this is
0: bleeping Duluth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's from, what, what, when's the last time you ran? That's got to be from five years ago, yeah.
4: six years ago. The New York's top ethics panel yesterday ordered uh, ex-Governor Andrew Cuomo to pay the state $5.1 million for those book profits he made on the backs of taxpayers amid the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. The resolution was approved by the Joint Commission on Public Ethics in a 12-to-1 vote. uh, The only person siding with him was uh, somebody that he had appointed. It was rescinded approval after concluding that Cuomo violated pledges not to use state resources or government staffers to get the book ready. He has to pay the money to the state by next month. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe he can work out a payment plan the way I have with the IRS (laughs) and just make a monthly payment. A man was killed after investigators say he was crushed by the very car from which he was trying to cut a catalytic converter. It happened in North Carolina in Monroe, in the driveway of a home. Union County Sheriff's deputies were called out to the home at about 5.45 in the evening after the homeowner found the body of a man under his Toyota Prius. Detectives said the man appeared to be in the middle of cutting off the exhaust pipe to get to the catalytic converter when the jack must have slipped, bringing the car down on the man, killing him. The owner of the Prius was not at home at the time. Uh, In somewhat of an understatement, the Union County Sheriff's Office wrote on its Facebook page, a catalytic converter and the small amount of scrap value it holds is not worth the risk of losing your life. Deputies said the man, whose name was not officially released, was reported missing earlier in the day by his wife.
1: Prius owners, grease your driveways. Instant karma.
3: It's going to get you. What do uh (laughs) Nice. Uh, what does a catalytic converter go for these days, Kenny, on the no old idea. black market? Hell, 50 I, bucks. I don't. I, 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 me? No, uh, but, but uh, you're, you're uh, in tune. I'm just curious. What, what? So he sacrificed himself for making, what, are 50 they bucks? copper? Are they I, copper?
1: I, I, no, there's some precious metals in there. No. I think it's actually a few hundred. Chris. Is it a few hundred? Okay. Yeah. But still. yeah.
4: New York oh. City Mayor-elect Eric Adams wants to make sure whistleblower officer Frank Serpago gets the honor he was denied 50 years ago. Uh, Frank is now 85 years old. Wow. He'll get a police department medal of honor certificate, Adams promised on Twitter. Adams' announcement came in response to Serpico's tweet of a daily news story heralding the 50th anniversary of his testimony to the Knapp Commission, which probed crooked New York cops. Serpico, a Brooklyn native, has been waiting for formal recognition ever since he was shot in the face February 1971, nine months before his NAP Commission testimony. In the tweet, Serpico told 5,000 Twitter followers that the article in the paper neglected to mention he's been waiting 50 years for his Medal of Honor. He got the medal, originally, but it was just handed out to him over a countertop. No ceremony. Adam has responded to Serpico's tweet within hours, promising the NYPD will fix the oversight. Serpico was shot just below the eye after he forced open the door of a drug house on Driggs Avenue in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. He returned fire and wounded the gunman. He's always maintained that the cops with him never made an officer down 10-13 call. The reason being, of course, uh, he had uh, told on some cops, shall we say, some crooked cops. His story made famous by the 1973 film Serpico, with Al Pacino uh, playing the title character.
1: You you said something there that alarmed me. You made reference to the amount of followers, so I just looked him up on Twitter. He has 5,872 followers. How the hell can some loudmouth, moron traffic reporter have as many followers (laughs) as he does, and (laughs) God knows why, and somebody like Frank Serpico only has 5872 oh, yeah.
4: What the hell is wrong with Twitter? Frank doesn't have a a, a daily podcast. Uh, uh, got got these show. black
0: market uh, catalytic converter prices are all over the map, from 100 bucks to two grand. If you're following me on Twitter,
1: unfollow me right now and follow <laughs> Frank, Cerberco. Frank Serpico. There
4: Done. You Thank you. <laughs> doesn't it make you feel old, though, that Frank's 85? Yikes. Yep. Religious affiliation in the United States has continued to fall during the pandemic, according to a new survey from the Pew Research Center. Percentage of Americans who identify as Christians now stands at 63%, down from 65% in 2019 and from 78% in 2007. Meanwhile, 29% of Americans now identify as having no religion, up from 26% in 2019 and 16% in 2007. A lot of places of worship closed during the pandemic, some voluntarily, others as a result of social distancing rules. And in-person church attendance is down 30 to 50 percent from when the pandemic first started. A lot of Americans moved to worshiping online. Previous Pew survey in January found that a third of Americans said their faith had grown stronger. During the pandemic, the highest share of any developed country, but overall, religious engagement trended downward at roughly the same rate as before the pandemic, according to this new Pew survey. wonder what uh, politics has to do with that. Oh,
3: good point. Because mm-hmm. Joe and I were actually talking about this before the show on Monday, that uh, I went to the cheating mass. I went Saturday afternoon, and there, there wasn't 30 people inside
1: that church.
0: We were a little wow. short at 430. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I love this Boy, story.
1: If there's, I don't know two guys who need church and more <laughs> than you two. church as a verb you should have probably uh lingered over for the second show uh the second showing (laughs) just to be sure yeah just get a couple of doses well when
3: I step in can I always kind of look like okay I'm not gonna get struck you're right I'm good (laughs)
1: let the family get in first then I'll go in
3: last gotta have an escape
0: route yeah
1: Joe I know you're writing checks to uh redeem yourself uh (laughs)
4: uh, uh, what are you doing Joe's covering for me too (laughs) oh okay that's nice of him wow Uh, I love this story. A man robbed a bank in Delaware. And then tried to deposit the cash no. into his own account no. No. at the same, bank, <laughs> at the same using, bank using the ATM outside, according to the <laughs> Delaware State Police. Yeah, I got to move some money around.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: going to need all that.
4: <laughs> State Police arrested Mick Roberts Williams. That's quite the name, Mick Roberts. That's kind of cool. Yeah, $14, sir. I'm going to need all that. I'm going to need all that. They arrested him Saturday after they say he robbed the Wells Fargo on an old Capitol trail at the Price's Corner Shopping Center in Wilmington, Delaware. The 44-year-old man handed a teller a note saying he was robbing the bank at 11.20 a.m. The 25-year-old woman then handed over an undisclosed amount of cash. Williams left the bank. State police say the suspect fled the bank on foot, once outside, stopped at the bank's ATM, and made a deposit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I can't believe that didn't work. Wow. Uh, The man then ran behind the shopping center on foot, but by that time, state troopers were there. They caught up to him and arrested him. He was charged with second-degree robbery and sent to the county jail on $6,000 cash bond.
3: This is going to seem very stupid, but I didn't know you could deposit cash into an ATM. Have you guys ever done that?
4: I don't have Uh, an ATM
0: card i don't deal with atms
1: i guess you can do that um i i
4: I, i've not myself i haven't either Hmm. Uh, sometimes we mention the fact that we've lost a large portion of the brave men and women who fought in world war ii so let's celebrate a fellow who's still with us okay his name is lenny landu he's from new jersey he was born back in the uh, 1920s and he's still kicking He feels great, he told PIX11 News on his 101st birthday. He said life can be beautiful, take it one day at a time. Landu says he exercises every day in his New Jersey home and even works at a container company because, quote, work keeps you young. He told PIX11 News reporter Marvin Scott that he hasn't been sick since he served in World War II. And believe it or not, he credits A flu shot that he received way back when to his continued health. Hmm. Other factors, though, he says, have helped, including his wife. Uh, His wife, Sadell, is 25 years younger than he
0: is. There's the answer.
4: He said being married to someone 25 years younger helps he says i'm a happy man no landu celebrated the big day with friends and family he said living as long as he has is a feat he gave the channel his secrets to staying young and living long he said quote i have a young wife i have young friends and i have a motto that says you should do a good anonymous deed Every day of your life. And
0: at that container company where he's slowing down the line, they probably can't wait till he retires. <laughs> <laughs> God, <Joel. laughs> oh, God, Willie showed up again. Damn it. The belt slows <laughs> down. Yeah. Everybody slow down.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and O.J. Simpson is no longer under parole supervision. In Justice
0: is that. served.
4: 2008 robbery conviction. In Nevada, the former football star's parole obligations were lifted two months early because of good behavior. As of December 1st, the 74-year-old Simpson was granted his full freedom after four years of supervised release. The decision came one day after Simpson, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was famously acquitted of double murder in the 1990s, appeared before the Nevada Board of Parole Commissioners for an early discharge hearing. Simpson had been on parole since 2017 after his release from prison, where he served nine years. Uh, That sentence, you probably remember, stemmed from an armed confrontation a decade earlier in a Las Vegas hotel room over what Simpson contended was sports memorabilia that he said had been stolen from
0: him. How does he live with himself?
4: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Maybe that, sociopaths can live with themselves. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you tell us, Joe. Johnny, wow. thank you. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank good. you. We'll be back shortly.
7: Yes. The Canopy Group is an insurance agency that is unique by offering 16 carefully selected companies for home and auto insurance. Listen, this is the holiday season. Would you be satisfied if the only dessert you could have this year was fruitcake made by one person's fruitcake? Boy, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? That's like having one agent representing one company as your insurance option. Meanwhile, your neighbor creates an exchange with 40. Fam- family members they have a variety of desserts fudge cutouts gingerbread all that good stuff the canopy group knows it is all about options that's why their insurance agency offers these 16 companies they have 40 licensed agents working behind the scenes to ensure you always have the best coverage at the best price remember canopy clients average savings annually is over 800 this holiday season don't get stuck with the fruitcake get options with the canopy group 800-967-3389, or visit thecanopygroup.com.
1: You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. If you listen closely, you already know what I'm about to tell you. If you work with me, you you don't hear a word I say ever. Uh, and I'm referring huh? to the best-selling safe in the whole wide world. It's made by Liberty. It's called the Lincoln And it's in store at Maple Grove Lock and Safe in Maple Grove. It's a white gloss flag safe, big old cool five-spoke handle, and uh, ScanLogic locks on it. Good, good safe. Uh, Rich over at Maple Grove Lock and Safe, he also has plenty of liberties on hand. 12 firearms, 18, 24, whatever you need. Tons of accessories in these things. Uh, They're all available And there's plenty of ammo cans at Maple Grove Lock and Safe for your approval. And these truckloads just keep coming in. Plenty of safes in stock. So you can walk in, buy today, take them home, or even have a delivery set up. Special orders, of course. And the best part of all of this is the 12-month, same-as-cash financing that Rich has made available to GLers. 6901 East Fish Lake Road in Maple Grove and on the web at maplegrovelockandsafe.com.
0: If Rookie was here, he could help me with his story. Are you guys aware that Michelle Tafoya has been canceled? No. No. She's uh, no longer going to be doing the Sunday Night Football on NBC. Uh NBC's coverage of the upcoming Super Bowl in Feb is expected to be her final appearance on the sidelines for the network. The New York Post reported her role afterward remained unclear. The apparent decision comes several weeks after Tafoya was criticized for making comments about former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick during an appearance on ABC's The View Tafoya returned to NBC for a few games after The View, but has been missing from NBC's NFL coverage since Thanksgiving night's game between Buffalo and New Orleans. Her absence was described by NBC as bi-weeks, as speculation swirled that something might be amiss in the relationship between Tafoya and the network. Do, do you guys, uh, Reavers, do you know a sports analyst, analyst named Bill Simmons? Sure, yeah. What's what's his claim to fame? Well,
3: he was a big, big shot at ESPN, then went off on his own for the ringer. Is that right,
0: Johnny?
4: I think so, yeah. yeah.
0: <clears throat> sports analyst Bill Simmons drew attention to Tafoya's to prolonged absence earlier this week on his podcast she was in the conservative seat," Simmons said about Tafoya's View appearance. Then a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden, just on a bye, taking a break, that where, where rookie could help me is I don't, I would not watch the show called The View. I don't oh, know, I don't well, know what it is. It's
1: simple enough. I hear it talked about all the time. Uh, they bring in a conservative, they set them down, and then they beat the living ass out of them for an hour.
0: Well, do you? She didn't do anything wrong based on this report.
1: No, no, of course not.
0: Tafoya, she's 56. She's a native of California. She lives here, right? I mean, she lives in the I thought she's a native of Edina. No. Well, maybe that's where she lives. Oh, okay.
1: She moved up here. She has been with
0: NBC for about 10 years after previous stints with CBS and ABC ESPN. She is the winner of five Emmy Awards for her sports reporting. On November 3rd, she and co-hosts of The View had a debate about Kaepernick around the time that Netflix released a special titled Colin in Black and White. DeFoya and View co-host Sonny Hostin. Is Sonny a permanent uh, member I've of the Vue cast? i never heard that name before. Right. I don't know. Tafoya and View co-host Sonny Hostin clashed on the show about some comments Kaepernick had made comparing the NFL's draft and training camps to slavery. DeFoya argued that playing in the NFL was an act of free will. No one pressures them, she said. They're not forced to go into the NFL. Later, she added, I thought comparing it to the slave trade was a little rough. These guys enter willingly. They are the most well-cared for people. Yes, they play a hard sport, and every one of them, black, white, Latino, whoever's playing the sport, will tell you how much they love it, and they're willing to do it, and they make a damn good living. Austin mm-hmm. countered that most NFL owners were our white men, and most players are black. That comparison that he makes to slave owners and slaves is not. Sort of totally unreasonable or out of bounds," she said, meaning Hostin. Uh, I guess. Well, okay. Uh, she asserted that w- she—I don't know who she is here—is she Tafoya or Hostin? She asserted that it was the league. Hostin. She asserted that it was the league's white owners who were preventing Kaepernick from continuing his NFL career after That's the 2016 That's one hundred percent not true. No, I know. When he launched pregame kneeling protests of racial injustice during the playing of the national anthem after the 2016 season. Kaepernick uh, exercised an opt-out clause in his contract with the 49ers and became a free agent. No team signed him. Uh, Kaepernick and former teammate Eric Reid later reached settlement agreements with the league. Uh, uh, Hostin also argued that Kaepernick lost everything by taking a stand on a cause that he believed in, but Tafoya countered by.
3: Uh, we don't know that.
0: Tafoya countered by noting that Kaepernick had actually gained a lot since leaving the NFL, including the Netflix special and a lucrative deal with sports apparel company Nike. Yep. Catherine Tappan is said to be a top candidate to replace Tafoya as the sideline reporter on Sunday Night Football. The New York Post reported. NBC has not commented on Tafoya's role, and Tafoya could not be reached for comment. Isn't that something? She got canceled for saying something entirely reasonable.
1: She's one of the most amazing, hardworking broadcasters this country has ever seen. She is a hell of a hard worker and really good at her job. They they They
0: just canceled her.
1: She's a fantastic person. I know her personally, and I worked with her and uh, I, I I just don't have enough good things to say about Michelle she's amazing and by the way there a
3: couple of things need to be pointed out by what the the, the, the person from the view said first of all teams have reached out to Colin Kaepernick and he refused there's G- GM's on record saying that they asked him to come in for a workout and he refused because this is his industry now is right. playing this card and by the way yeah. part of his settlement with the NFL oh by the way is if he does get a job which he's too old now to to, to and he's been out of the league for so long, he wouldn't get one now. But part of his settlement was, if he were to sign with a team, he has to pay
0: that money back right, to right. the league. And I bet it was a handsome sum. Oh, and yeah, these it, are just
3: minuscule
1: little facts that people neglect to mention, right. by the way.
4: It, it was between 5 and $10 million. Correct. So, yeah, it was, it was a good NBC
1: is just allowing themselves to be, um, you know, wow, run by... <laughs>
0: Okay, the view by the woke. Does the view, uh, you know, does the you view, know what I mean? yeah. does the view show on a daily basis have a, a seat in which they lo- uh, they plot yeah. down a so-called conservative? From
1: what I understand, they used to have a permanent uh, conservative host in there, but she finally had to leave. McCain, Be- that yeah, was McCain, yeah, yeah. McCain because started. of the. Yeah, the <laughs> the screaming and yelling and the persecuting and the just the utter nonsense. I actually have, This might be the worst show on TV. I have part you. of that clip. It's uh right here, I believe. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> It's that for an hour, basically, yeah. where they just sit and cluck yeah. at each other. It's insufferable, Joe. It's just. No, that's why I
0: knew Rookie would watch it. It's and that
1: <laughs> <was> shrill <laughs> and it's screaming, and it's just the worst show on TV. But
0: this was. Michelle got canceled for saying, I don't think the NFL is a slave trade. The playing in the NFL right. is an act she, of free will. She, it was right. kind
4: of. Everything she said was. A little innocuous. It wasn't even really jump, jump jumping out on a limb or anything, right? I because mean, she, was...
1: uh, Michelle knew the position she was being put in, and she played at middle of the road, and yeah. she she acted her like the Reavers? the pro she is. I don't, but I I know how to get it.
0: Okay, get it and see if she wants to come on tomorrow.
3: Here, I bet she won't. Yeah. I mean, I'll still reach out to her, and that's not a problem. But I'm going to guess that. Um, there might be things in in the works here that she might not want to be. Publicly Does she still speaking. work for
0: Tommy Bernard?
3: I don't. No. I don't believe no. so.
1: But when you no. talk to her, tell her I said hi. I will right? for sure, Kenny. Yeah, be. she's just wonderful.
3: Is this though the reaction by NBC of what must have been corporate sponsorship pressure? In other no. words, did a Nike or a big time sponsor for NBC come to them and say, "What is going? You know."
0: But she didn't say anything foul. I, we all are in agreement on that. No, but, but I don't even see how a corporate entity could look at her remarks and find them disagreeable. They were what, innocuous, as John says. They were not. They were mean. They were benign. What could be the possible explanation? Because these people are idiots. <laughs> okay, I like that explanation. Yeah, they're idiots. <laughs> uh, Only. Only. Only well make a note to yourself i don't trust that you'll try to call michelle oh, i'm gonna text tony right now <laughs> all so, right and i'm not gonna listen to this day in history <laughs> yes you are <laughs> oh tony there yeah. might be a quiz can we get something from him why not i mean i mean i'm here every day yeah oh yeah, yeah. we should change that let's, let's it, get something it, oh it's it right. is let's it get is. something from tony i oh. thought they had a whole new deal going of stuff audio things you guys, we are still recording the show. I know. We're one day what? closer. No. 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 <laughs> Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans. It was on this day in 1856 that a lyceum is organized in St. Paul. Boys, do you know what a lyceum is? No idea. I do. Well, I would hope you do. Yeah. You know, Lyceums were cultural centers that sponsored yeah. lectures, classes, and you're not going to the mountains, you're going to the convention with me. Oh, boy. (laughs) Didn't we have a theater in town called the Lyceum? Uh, We did, yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: We may still, don't we? On this day
0: in 1864, four Minnesota regiments helped defeat the Confederate Army of General John Bell Hood outside Nashville. Over the course of this two-day battle, the Minnesota losses, 302 killed, wounded, or missing, are the greatest the state suffers in any Civil War engagement. And on this day in 1887, the first issue of the Northfield Independent appeared. The newspaper's editor declared that it comes from its own independent way without first having asked leave to be, but intends to justify its being by filling a vacant journalistic place in this city and surrounding country. It will labor that the homes it is permitted to enter may be brighter and purer for its coming Their burdens lightened, if possible. Their industries ennobled. What the hell are you talking about?
4: Yeah, that was a mouthful.
0: On this day in 1892, December 15th, J. Paul Getty was born in Minneapolis. An entrepreneur, he would become a billionaire in the oil business, and he would bequeath much of his fortune to the Getty Trust, a philanthropic organization that supports the visual arts. A billionaire that late? What do you mean? In the 1890s, yeah, 1892 on this date. Yeah, in but history. to become a billionaire back then—that
3: well, the
4: date. That's well, when he was born. He founded the Getty oh, Oil Company in sorry. the 40s. Told 1940s. you I was just kind of listening. Yeah, just kind of listening. listening. Wasn't? Well, is he the one whose kid <laughs> got his ear cut off? Right? Yeah. yeah. No, that was Van Gogh. Yeah. He got kidnapped and they cut off his oh. ear and sent it back to dad. Just a so final
0: note from so Dan, bad. who writes, "Joe, I have several friends who I consider to be quite <laughs> intelligent." Whenever we get into discussions discussions about the environment, I always ask the question: Where does electricity come from? More often than not, I get the answer: The wall. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold it, was
4: on. His, it, was his, it was his grandson that got his ear cut Your off. Grandson. I just looked it up. Right. I All see. Right. Sorry. Thank you, GLers. Thank you. There
3: we go. Hit that button there. GLers, do us a favor. Hit that old subscribe button on the old YouTube channel for Garage Logic, where we are posting multiple videos every single day for your enjoyment. And you can also hit us up on our social media pages on the Facebook, on the Twitter, Instagram, so much more. It's all there for you. And also don't forget to download that PodMN app for your smart device where you have the opportunity to win daily prizes just by listening to us idiots
2: on the program. We'll catch you tomorrow.